Hi and welcome to the brand new Clarity Podcast. I'm Cyber, I'm a power planner and for those of you that don't know what a power planner is, I write and research everything for the advice reports. I primarily work with an advisor who's with me now and that is... Clean Bob, hello. I am the investment director here at Clarity. I've been advising on pensions and investment for a very long time. I've been with Clarity for 23 years now. And today we're going to talk about the changes that came in in the recent budget. So this is Clarity on Pension Legislation. Clarity On is brought to you by Clarity, experts in strategic financial planning and investment management. With over 25 years of experience in the field, our award-winning team are well-positioned to help people navigate the complex world of finance. So, I think, Cyber, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, changes in the latest budget, particularly regarding pensions. What was most interesting about it for you? I think it was just quite a significant change. Um, I know within the office we were discussing it beforehand and we thought, oh, they might up the LTA a bit, they might might make some minor changes, you know, expect the annual allowance to increase. What we didn't see was the lifetime allowance being abolished completely and how that is now going to affect a lot of people and not only people that are still contributing to their pensions but also people that are now at retirement age and actually want to take their money and enjoy retirement. There's a lot more to now think about, in a way, because of the repercussions of it, don't you think? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's certainly changed a lot of things. You know, the lifetime allowance, to my mind, was a bit of an anachronism. Uh, all the time I've been in this business, you've been uh, regulated either at one end of your pension or at the other end. Uh, we've been, in recent years, in quite an unusual situation that where um, you're regulated as to what you can put into the pension at one end and also regulated as to what you can take out. So that's kind of a double limitation. It's extra administration for everybody concerned, including the government. Uh, And um, I felt that the lifetime allowance had to go at some stage. I was surprised that they got rid of it uh, in this budget. And of course, it hasn't actually gone yet. It'll take a while to pull it all out of the legislation. Uh, I think someone said that it's mentioned about 270 times in the Finance Act. Um, and it'll take a long time to pull it all out, which is why they have uh, said that um, this year uh, the lifetime allowance charge will still exist, charged at zero rate, which is, um, yeah, as you say, very interesting for anyone who's approaching retirement and very interesting for anyone who's already over the lifetime allowance. Yeah, and if we take a step back, for those that may not be as in the know of how to deal with pensions, you know, you might be... 20 and not thinking oh I can just add a little bit here and there I don't know what a lifetime allowance is I don't know what the annual an annual allowance is so if we take a step back and just what was the lifetime allowance it was just the amount that you the maximum in air quotes that you can't see that you could put into your pension before you were penalized for it by penalized we're talking about being taxed right yeah so uh, the lifetime allowance was introduced back in 2006 when they uh, uh, did something called pension simplification. Mm-hmm. And it's an upper limit on the total value of all of your pensions. So it could be particularly complicated. 
uh, if you've got a mixture of final salary benefits and money purchase benefits or a promise and a pot of money as I tend to describe them yeah. then uh, Final salary benefits are calculated differently from money purchase benefits. With a money purchase benefit, it's relatively simple to work out the value of that mm -hmm. benefit uh, as at the time you crystallise. Um, whereas with a final salary benefit, it's a little more complicated. So yeah, that was introduced back in 2006. And since then, up until uh, the budget, uh, there have been various limits, various incarnations of the limits, various different... Um, Elections that people can make to have a maximum limit on their pension yeah. pot. So uh, there was uh, fixed protection 2012, fixed protection 2014, individual protection, enhanced protection, various different types of protection that people have. Um, and these are still relevant. Mm -hmm. It's still relevant if you've got a, a fixed protection of some kind, then the amount of tax free cash that you're entitled to under that fixed protection will still remain. Well, so uh, yeah, that, that, so that remains attractive. Uh, so it's important for people to bear that in mind if they've got a fixed protection. Uh, whereas the uh, the limit now is going to be limited henceforth to 25% of the current lifetime allowance, which is £268,275. Um, if you have uh, fixed protection, uh, then you could potentially be entitled to more mm. in the way of tax free cash. So can we... Individuals can still apply for fixed protection, can't they? Does fixed protection count to 16, an individual? Uh, yeah, there's no uh, limit on applying for that. Uh, that's something you need to look at very carefully. You need to take advice on it and if you want to do that. Uh, but yes, that's still possible, I believe. Yeah. And then if we also look at the annual allowance, which I don't think a lot of people will realise if they've not looked into pensions as far as their workplace pension and how much they contribute. Um, you know, there have there even been changes to that and what the tapered annual allowance is. And previously, the annual allowance was 40,000 and it's now gone up to 60,000. Yeah, it's 60,000 now. Uh, and the uh, minimum limit has also gone from four to ten. So uh, the uh, annual allowance that you can contribute to a pension is a maximum of 60,000 pounds. Or your earnings. If your earnings are less than £60,000, you can't contribute £60,000. You can only get tax relief on, uh, on uh, uh, that amount if you have that amount of earnings. Um, and the upper limit for tapering the annual allowance has now gone from £240,000 to £260,000 income in a year, which is your total income. Uh, tapering um, basically means that for every two pounds over two hundred and sixty thousand pounds income you get in the year your annual allowance will reduce by one pound and when we talk about earnings do we are we including in bonuses that people may receive are we including rental income into these figures all of your income yeah all of your income is counted towards your uh, your income level for calculating whether you need to be tapered on your pension contribution or not so okay. yeah yeah, and that's, that again is complicated. Uh, it's worth getting a bit of guidance on that. If you're close to that limit, and of course you're, you're nowhere near uh, that level of income, then you don't need to worry too much. But if you're in any way near it, uh, then you need to be careful and work out exactly what your total income for the year is. But then we could always have used the carry forward allowance that's available for individuals. But have there been changes to that? Over the years, many, many changes to it. Uh, when I was uh, a young whippersnapper in a business, you could carry forward six years and carry back one. Uh, 
uh, now you can carry back three years to the current year. So uh, under the current rules, um, £60,000 for this year, and you can carry forward from previous years as well. So Even if you were tapered? Which I think you can, from memory, if you can carry forward that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, even, even there are some aspects of pensions that are a little rusty for us as well. Yeah, yeah. Because it is that complex. It's not a one-size-fits-all. And I think that's what's incredibly important when you when you are looking into pensions for yourself. Just because person A may be contributing £15,000 to their pension in a year, and that might be because they can. If you've got the higher income, you might be restricted to what you can. So I don't... I don't think it's a, it's definitely not a one size fits all, which I think some people are under the impression of. I don't think they realise how complicated and pensions can be. And like we were talking about earlier, these changes are going to be affecting a lot of different aspects of people. People that had thought they couldn't contribute anymore because they had already reached the maximum are now finding that actually they might be able to and it won't affect their fixed protection or any other elections that they might have. Yeah, indeed, someone who's got fixed protection can now contribute, potentially, uh, if they've got regular earnings, uh, to their pension schemes, which, uh, of course, uh, many people would have been not contributing for quite some time because they didn't want to breach the protection. Uh, but now that no longer applies. Of course, uh, there's a lot that uh, still remains to be seen. There are little kind of bells and whistles yeah. and wrinkles to come out um, when we get the final legislation in July. We'll know a lot more. Yeah. But it does appear, uh, of course, the, uh, the Labour Party promised to reinstate uh, the lifetime allowance, uh, although in practicality, I think that would be quite difficult for them to do, to reinstate it in its entirety. And it's very, very, very unlikely that they would bring in any retrospective legislation because... Um, be quite upsetting for some people. Well, and in the words of uh, someone much smarter than me, it would break the tax system. Uh, so yeah, it would cause a lot of complications for people that have already elected for their fixed protection. Found that they can now still contribute, mm. and then have it taken away, and then potentially their fixed protection taken away, which is it's a concern that I think some people have and are very hesitant to make any decisions yet. Yeah, and I would you know could not make any kind of decision until July. There is a window of opportunity between now and the first budget of any putative uh, new Labour administration, uh, during which people can take uh, action. Uh, the received wisdom is that it might make sense to crystallise all of your benefits before the uh, first Labour budget. And receive no tax shock. Yeah, uh, but as always, uh, take advice if you're going to do that. It's quite a big, uh, quite a big step. And when we were, um, when you mentioned earlier about how the changes have come in force, but for this year it's mm. slightly different. Um, what what did you mean by that? How how different is it now compared to what it be like next year? Well, this year you'll still suffer if you if you go over the lifetime allowance limit when you're drawing your benefits. You will still suffer a lifetime allowance charge. It's just that it will be charged at zero because they haven't taken all the or what haven't had had time to take all the legislation out, so they reduced the lifetime allowance charge to zero, as opposed to being the, the usual percentage that it is of 25% or 55%, depending on whether you take a lump sum or income. So next year, the lifetime allowance is likely to be removed, 2024 if they get time to do it, uh, and then there will be no lifetime allowance charge at all. 
even at age 75 when there typically was the no at 75 not at any time no lifetime allowance at all that's quite a big drastic change and i wonder really what brought it about because i think some people especially within the industry kind of felt a little bit blindsided by how big the change was do you from a more i guess not economic perspective but just in general, what do you think led to this happening now as opposed to in a few years' time? Uh, I think because it, uh, successive governments have slimmed down HMRC and slimmed down the civil service and it was increasingly obvious that it was going to be very, very difficult to, uh, to look after both ends of the pension scheme. Uh, when we had brought in the limits on the annual allowance, don't forget that when the um, lifetime allowance originally came in under pension simplification back in 2006, people were allowed to contribute up to £215,000 as a pension contribution. That's quite a hefty for, amount. <laughs> yeah, for a short period of time. Uh, you might not remember that. That was probably before your time, Si, but uh, people were allowed to do that then, of course. And then we, we bought in or had bought in the annual allowance limits on the amount that you can contribute to pensions. And with those being in, uh, those being in place, it actually is pretty difficult for people limited to that amount of contribution to get close to the lifetime allowance. So okay. really you were using a sledgehammer to crack a nut. So that's why I said at the outset that it kind of made sense to me to get rid of the lifetime allowance or the annual allowance. And of course, the lifetime allowance is penalising people for saving into their pension scheme and for being mm-hmm. good citizens. Uh, so to me, it made much more sense to get rid of the lifetime allowance. And I imagine... That's why it was done, because it was deemed to be an unnecessary burden on yeah. uh, on the civil servants that had to measure all of these things, so, uh, or monitor all these things, I should say. So, yeah, I think uh, you know, it simplified things. Which, I guess, is great for us. Um, you know, from an, ad- from an advising point of view, what, not necessarily what would you need to consider, but, you know, we've got, a lot it's it will affect everyone whether you're like as we said before in the accumulation stage of life you're young you're saving into your pension you know mm. you can now save more even if you didn't have any earnings in in the tax year you could still save the minimum amount which was 2880 net yeah and that you are still able to do that that hasn't changed that will still be the amount that minimum amount that you can contribute but if you are in employment and you can be a higher earner when you're younger now and you can still save a decent amount of into your pension, you know, if you get your bonus, you can save it all into your pension for that sake. Yes, although um, I, I think realistically speaking, you know, if you look at being in the absolute sweet spot of having exactly £260,000 mm-hmm. in earnings and being able to contribute £60,000 as a pension contribution, that's still a bit more than the fifth of your total earnings. Um, I, I'm sure that Quite a lot of people would struggle to spare that amount of money yeah. when they've got various other commitments like children, school fees, uh, food, mortgage, etc. But, uh, but yeah, so I think you'll yeah you'll still see relatively few people making maximum use of that, that allowance. Just um, the few lucky people that can. Yeah. And um, with people now having the ability to start contributing again, mm-hmm. is do you think it's a good thing to start doing now? as opposed to really waiting for the actual legislation to be announced and finalised, in paper, done, do you think it's more pertinent to be doing it now or you've got the whole tax year, wait and see? 
I think that, well, if you're the kind of person that, that has uh, had fixed protection and has now mm -hmm. become able to contribute again, uh, it really depends. Everybody's different. But if you are in that situation, you've probably got quite a sizable pension pot already mm -hmm. uh, if you've uh, elected for some fixed protection. So there's no harm waiting to see exactly what the legislation says in July. Uh, we think we understand the, 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 the main elements, but of course there could always be a surprise in July. Yeah. And there's no harm waiting to be absolutely certain, especially as it's likely to be a relatively small part of your overall uh, pension pot if you're going to start contributing again, especially if you're still a, a particularly high earner. Yeah. You may well be limited to only £10,000 a year anyway. Yeah, which in the grand scheme of things for those higher earners might not. Yeah. You can still save 20000 into your ISA yeah. for the sake of it. So yes, you could. It's almost neither here nor there if you're, you are a higher earner. But for the others, it, it, will, it will make the difference if, if they are able to save that. And you touched on it earlier with um, the difference between final salary and... Mm -hmm. um, money purchase schemes and how obviously they're calculated slightly differently how the, yeah. how the LTA was calculated for DV schemes is always more complicated than for mm. a straight up DC scheme and it is important that you don't make a rash decision isn't it when it comes to pensions you, people always talk about oh I'm gonna I'm gonna transfer this I'm gonna do this and it's like well, no 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 mm -hmm. <laughs> just wait and you know, I don't. I think again, these these changes should not be triggering something such a drastic decision that you might think is you can get away with it now. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of decisions in pensions you can only make once. Uh, and if you're deciding particularly to transfer a final salary scheme, which I think is what you're talking about, mm -hmm. um, then that is a very very big decision, and it's a very very complicated decision. Very complicated indeed. Uh, but. Um, of course, some people could be in a position now uh, where they have final salary benefits and mm -hmm. they've been hitherto over the lifetime allowance or I think they're likely to be over the lifetime allowance with the mixture of, of benefits that they have that, that um, it may well behove them to draw their final salary benefits between now and whenever the new Labour government budget comes into force. Of course, again, you'd always need to take advice. It's a very complicated yeah. area. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, it'd be very interesting. And will this change, um, any of the pension legislation's changes, will it have a, an effect on any death benefits? Because, you know, you usually see that when, say, someone dies, they have their money purchase pension. You've got, usually it's, you can purchase an annuity with it, mm. take it as a lump sum or draw, put it into a drawdown mm. pot. Will anything be affecting this for those people that will be inheriting the pensions, do you think? Do you think there might be a potential move to affect that in any sort of way? Uh, do you mean will they still suffer if they don't get an LTA charge? I guess so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, they won't. Uh, so nobody's going to face uh, an LTA charge from, well, from April gone. So they're going to change the taxation of the excess lump sum, serious ill health benefits, um, and everything else. So uh, um, anything that was potentially subject to an LTA charge, for instance, if you know someone had died uh, and um, there was a pension to inherit that was over the lifetime allowance, and then that lifetime allowance charge will no longer be charged. So you're getting yeah. a bigger pot, yeah. essentially, is what you're inheriting. Yeah. Hmm. And is there anything that, in particular, that 
people would need to now bear in mind moving forward. Don't, obviously, there's a lot of facilities out there. You've got Pension Wise and Pension B and mm. advisors, which is ourselves. Do you think it's now important that people start looking at how, especially, not to be mean, the older generation where they may have accumulated different types of pension pots? Mm-hmm. Do you think now is the time to really start not consolidating, but looking at what you have and where it is and how much you have so you can have an idea on what your total pension pot is as opposed to just kind of leaving it and forgetting yeah. about it and ignoring it, thinking the problem, not problem, but the situation, the the investments will go away and just keep poodling in the background and just keep yeah, doing I'm, what you need it to. I mean, it's, it's crucial to plan for retirement. If you don't plan for your retirement, then, uh, you know, it's too late once you've got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, people tend to, um, when they get to my kind of age, uh, think about these kind of things a lot more seriously than when they're your age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you really need to look at what things are going to look like really 10 years before you get there, because then you've got a chance to make a difference, uh, to save more, to adjust your goals, to um, plan slightly differently, to you know, cut your codable into your cloth, or to decide that you need to work longer. But you really need yeah. to think about all of these things at least 10 years out from retirement. Before pushing any sort of button on needing mm, it. Rather than assuming that everything's going to look after you, rather than assuming you'll get the full state pension, which you may or may not be entitled to. It's very yeah. easy to figure that out. Um, and uh, crucially, if you've got a money purchase scheme, then uh, you need to think very carefully before you get to retirement about how you're planning to take your benefits, whether you're planning to buy an annuity whether you're planning to go to drawdown or not, whether you can afford to do either. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's well worth looking at everything in some detail long before you actually get there. The longer before you get there, the better, because by the time you get there, it's too late to save more, uh, and it could be too late to make any additional pension contributions. Yeah. So in in some scenarios, if you have the ability to save a bit more when you are younger, whilst you might want to keep more of your bonuses and... Mm have a bit more fun with your your own income it's always a bit smarter to start putting things away now whilst you have and I guess with the changes you know you can afford to do it if you can I know cost of living crisis is quite mm. an issue right now for a lot of people and there are people considering stopping their workplace pension contributions and it's it's a very, it's quite a touchy subject I think at the moment that that kind of area whether you can afford to put it in whether you can't afford to put it in but I guess Something is better than nothing, would you say? And if you've got a workplace pension scheme, your employer will be contributing. Yeah. So that is free money. They may require you to match, you know, even if you just do the minimum matching so you get your employer's contribution. It's better to have that free money invested. You know, when you are 21 years old, retirement seems like a very, very long way away. Yeah. Certainly did for me, but, you know, I've been an active member of various pension schemes all the time that I've been working. Uh, And, um, you know, and I have a fairly healthy pot, uh, not from being someone who saves massively. I've had the same responsibilities as everybody else, raising three children and a wife and various other expenses. But, um, you know, uh, because I have consistently saved in the pension schemes, I'm now in a relatively comfortable position pension-wise, mm-hmm. as should anyone else be if they consistently save. If you save money when you're 21, it works for 40 years, assuming you retire when you're 61. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas if you start saving when you're 50, have to save a lot more yeah that's very interesting and we've had we have had instances where we clients have come to us and said oh i've not i've not contributed to a pension in 20 years 
but I really need to start doing that. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. is there a reason why? And you almost wonder why. And I guess for some people it's just because they are self-employed and it's one of those things that you don't really think about to do. No, but, it's, uh, it's something that needs to be a habit like, uh, like exercise or uh, eating uh, five fruit and veg. That's, yeah. Uh, and some people you know, don't get into it and don't get distracted and do other things. I guess a lot of, when it comes to pensions, people are a bit intimidated by the subject. And when all of these complex changes happen, it, I guess for some it's very much if if it's all happening, not necessarily too soon, but if you didn't know a lot about it in the first place and then suddenly all of these changes are happening, mm. it's a very intimidating subject and it's it's going to change in the future i I imagine maybe not the labor government but maybe in a few governments Mm. down and you know next 10 years another big drastic change will happen to pension legislation well pensions have been changing all the time i've been in the business uh and seemingly with increasing rapidity so yes things always change uh, and successive governments change it because they treat pensions as a bit bit of a political football Mm I can see that you know the Labour Party would most likely change pensions again, uh, and it does keep people on their toes and make people a little bit nervous. But you know it just underlines the fact that you need to seek um, some decent guidance or advice. There's plenty of free information out there on government websites, of mm-hmm. course. But if you're in a more complicated position, then uh, I'd urge anyone who's got any kind of pension queries, particularly if you're coming uh, to the point where you need to make decisions, yeah, to spend a bit of money, seek some guidance uh, from a uh, regulated individual it's always worth it for that Mm. peace of mind because even if you are an accountant you know you you know your stuff Mm. you might think you you've got it all down but actually there are some stuff that you might not be considering and i think where where we can come in is we look at the picture as a whole and not just a snippet we look at the reality of okay this is what you've got but is this realistically going to last you? And and what we've, I guess we've found since these changes, when like we just for the first week we just constant queries, constant messages mm. with people that would were quite well, some were worried, some weren't. Um, and it's it's really interesting how something like this can trigger a lot of people to actually think about it and go and find and source some sort of help because it's not the most easiest subject to grasp. I mean, it's one of the topics that it's not my most enjoyable one to write about because it is complex and there's so many moving parts to it. It's just, it's not as simple as an ISA. No, it isn't. It is uh, far and away the most complicated part of what we do. Uh, yeah. And it's very important to get it right. And the best way to get it right is to talk to someone who does it all the time. Very true. The last nuggets of information like you would urge someone to do if you had them right in front of you of pay attention to what you've got mm-hmm. uh, if you're not sure what you've got find someone who can explain it to you so i think that kind of wraps up what we've been talking about with pension legislation so everyone thank you for listening if you've enjoyed it tune back in we're going to eventually have a series on pensions which would be ideal for anyone that wants to learn more if you'd like to find out more about clarity join us on our socials and our website which will be in the description where we have some research notes we'll have updates on what's going on with the world and how it might affect you so take a look thank you and goodbye